0: Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight.
1: And welcome back to the greatest show on Earth that is Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Har Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode, where tonight we'll be talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week, 2011's The Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard. So that's going to be later on in the show. Unfortunately, the ghoul will not be joining us tonight. He had a hard day at work, and he's taking the night off. But he'll be back next week with his pick. But as always, we are joined by the psychotic Simeon himself, the Mad Monkey, the prince of my Mars day. Yes, get yes, funky with the monkey.
2: Yes, this is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the subterranean catacombs of the Talking Terror Bunker. We're going we to bring you the best goddamn controlled environment horror podcast there is on the airwaves tonight. So make sure you listen live, listen with your mama, just listen often. We don't care, just listen. Just make sure
1: you wear a mask <laughs> and social distance, that's all we ask.
0: Yeah, <laughs> One, well, two things,
1: <laughs> Do those two things and you're golden. Uh, but we're also joined by a very astute, the very knowledgeable, the demonic Dean. Welcome back to the show.
3: Thank you. So if you are listening to the show in the comfort of your own home, is it necessary to wear a mask and social distance? I think that depends, depends.
2: on it. It, it also depends on what kind of family you have. Because if I have to be hanging out with my family, yeah, I'd be definitely wearing a mask around them. <laughs>
1: it's probably for the best. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, hell, even by myself, I wear a mask just in case. Who knows? Like
2: that sexy
1: look
2: when, you, yeah, but you like that sexy look when you sit there and catch yourself in the mirror as you're walking by. You're like, God damn, you're fine. Look at that mask. Oh, shit
0: just slide a Oh, see, bit no, off. I got to no, take no, off the no, mask, not, and I got to stroke much, my beard.
1: Sorry, <laughs> no, nah, see, I got to look at my beard in the mirror, you know, swing my hair back a little bit, give the beard a stroke, and be like, "Hell yeah, that is a nice look." Now I got to put the mask on.
3: You know, <laughs> it ruins the look. With uh, the whole world, where let me be more specific, the whole United States, kind of going crazy right now on the issues of schooling. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you know, for the time uh, whenever the time comes that that I do go back on site, I've really been debating ordering one of those custom uh, Friday the thirteenth masks uh, to wear when I teach my classes that would be killing
2: i I, I have checked them out, and unfortunately they're uh, unfortunately, they are not. Just as great of a paint job as they seem far away. It's like I've checked them out, um, and unfortunately, the the holes are not, you know, one hundred percent the same all the time. The, if you get one, you know, the I ones, highly
3: suggest
2: t- t- take the, the time to that, uh, put your own paint job on it.
3: Yeah, yeah. You're talking those. about the ones that, <laughs> that Savini was behind.
2: Yeah, um, it's just. The, oh,
3: all right then. The, they're
2: all hand mold. They're all hand molded, so they all have a little bit of quirkiness to them. But at the same time, uh, take the time to prime it and do your own paint job on it and I think you'd be uh, a lot happier people at home if you take the time to put your own love and care into it and do your own custom paint jobs
3: on those masks <laughs> All right thanks for the tip uh, I, I am not going to do those steps on my own, and that also <laughs> helps me make an informed decision about whether or not I should acquire one of them so so thank you for that <laughs> for me. that's true glad I, glad I brought it up you true. <laughs> I yeah, think
1: California is requiring would, masks.
2: Could, yeah, but what the, as heavy as it is, it is over there in California, you know, yeah, everyone should be wearing some just because, you know, it's like wildfire over there, isn't it,
3: Dean? Uh, no, so, obviously, the state of California is, is massive in size. Uh, while cases in California, yes, uh, when they talk about the different states and which ones are having the massive increase, uh, those being like Florida and Texas and Arizona and Georgia and California, uh, th- this m- the massive outbreak in California uh, is more Southern California, the Greater Los Angeles area. Now, I you know where I live is considered the Bay Area, um, the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, where I live specifically would be considered the North Bay because I'm just north of San Francisco. Um, the numbers here are climbing uh, as well, but not nearly at the, the the amount that's going on in Southern California.
1: Mm, oh, yeah. so you're in a good spot. Oh, well, that's good. You know, definitely want to stay away from those highly infectious areas. You know, even here in yes. Pennsylvania, they're uh, giving new restrictions as of tomorrow for what we can and can't do because of the influx of cases.
3: As they should. And I know that yeah. our our show here is not a um, you know, viral or well, I wish it was more viral than it is, but uh, it's not a virus oh, yes. <laughs> uh, discussion. Uh, we're not a, we're not, we're not doctors or, or, or virologists or anything of the sort. Uh, we're just a couple of assholes with microphones, but, um, sure. You know, going to back to the beginning <laughs> of this thing, if, if people, I feel like if people just would have shut the fuck up at the start and stayed the fuck home without crying and wearing their fucking masks then we and wouldn't be so desperate to go out to a fucking bar. Uh you know, we we and just stayed fucking closed. Uh we wouldn't be back to square one where it appears that we are. So it's quite quite frustrating. Yeah, absolutely.
1: yeah it's a frustrating thing. With people not wanting to wear masks or social distance and everybody wants to go to a bar or a club. You know, like I said, everybody just stayed home from the get go. It'd be like Sweden and Germany by now. They're like, Yeah, we're fine over here, guys. And we're back to 100%. What about you? <laughs> Not
2: quite. <laughs> I just find it funny that now uh, for a country that was you know, just a couple of years ago clamoring that we should close our borders to every other country in the world, now every other country has closed their borders to us <laughs> because we are just a nonstop infectious state going on here with n-
0: n- no yeah. sight.
1: Yeah, they don't want us there anymore, <laughs> all these countries. Can't go to anywhere anymore. Just got to stay in the U.S. But enough of the viral talks because we're not a viral podcast. I mean, I would love it, just like the you know the Dean had said, we're a little bit more viral in the internet sense. But uh, okay, so if anybody has anything to talk about, uh, monkey, before we hand it to the Dean for harneys. Uh
2: no man, I am dry. So
3: Dean, the floor
2: is yours.
3: So <clears throat> I was going over my notes from last week, and uh, there was something that I forgot to talk about. Uh, I'm going to bring up real quick because I do think it's an exciting little piece of information. I think it was posted on our Facebook page last week, but uh, it was announced uh, sometime before our last show that Ernest Cline has a sequel to his very popular novel Ready Player One uh, called Ready Player Two that will be uh, hitting the bookstores on November 24th of this year. Uh, I think that's pretty exciting news. Uh, I don't remember all of the specifics of the book, but I remember being tremendously delighted by it, and uh, we can debate till the end of time the merits of the film, uh, of which I was not a huge fan, Um, but I am excited to see that the story is going to continue um, with a sequel uh, novel. So November 24th, uh, we should all be looking forward to Ready Player Two. That's
1: exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there, Dean. I didn't like the movie as much either. I like the book. I remember reading the book and really enjoying it, but the movie kind of fell a little flat for me. See, I mean,
2: on the flip side, it's it's like I, uh, for me, the movie was a little bit more realistic, just because for me, reading the book, the age that our main character is supposed to be he seemed to have a little bit too much knowledge about everything in the world to be doing what he was doing and be able to enact his master plan. For someone who spends all of his time, excuse me, hanging out in the Oasis, he seemed to be like all of a sudden this awesome, you know, MacGyver-type character that was able to make these massive plans and fool the
3: CEO of the company, and it just struck me as just a little bit too over the top. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with I'll agree with some of those things and, you know, uh, you know, we did make it out to the theater to see it and when watching the film it was enjoyable and it was entertaining and it was uh a lot of fun to search for all of the little references and in jokes that were uh, you know, thoroughly sprinkled throughout the film, but like a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed the most from the book uh didn't make it into the film for obvious reasons, I think. Uh, you know, but for example, one of the things that I remember most specifically from the novel was when he has to uh, recite all of the dialogue from the film *WarGames* uh, from 1983, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. is, you know, which is, you know, one of my uh, absolute favorite films of all time. Um, I even have a Protovision uh, T-shirt that uh does not give any uh, does not give any indication uh, that it's related to the film, and I wear it uh, fairly frequently around, and I've just been like waiting for the day that somebody gets the reference. Um, but anyway, uh, there was none, there was that whole sequence uh, which was like I think the whole first task uh, like was not part of the film, and uh, that kind of disappointed me. but. It was still fun, and I I will certainly be looking forward to to the sequel novel.
1: I like that you have that T-shirt, though, because I have those T-shirts myself. I have the Pinker's TV Repair from Shocker, and I wear it around town all the time, and nobody's really said anything until one day I walked into the beer store. The guy's like, oh, man, I love that fucking movie Shocker. Horace Pinker's the best. And I was like, see, somebody gets it.
3: Somebody finally understood (laughs) my Pinker's TV Repair. That's a great shirt. I remember you you posting about that on Facebook or something, and that's a fantastic shirt. Yeah. uh, you know I don't often uh, purchase um, movie shirts and stuff like that but when I do it's usually uh, I usually look for things that are not so uh, ominous uh, I look for Me things too, that are yeah. you know a little bit a little bit more subtle uh, in their referencing you know for the hope that like you have to be as much of a nerd as I am uh, to get the <laughs> the particular reference Oh, I'm totally with you right there. So, yeah, totally get that.
1: All right, so uh, what's next after Ready Player
3: Two? Uh, So, uh, we've talked so much about Halloween Kills, as, you know, with the slate of horror uh, that's on the horizon. Uh, This has been one of the more, uh, you know, I guess, popular entries that people are looking forward to, and we know, obviously, it's been pushed back an entire year. Um,
0: mm-hmm. But
3: uh, a, few more, a few more details have been leaked out uh, by the creators, um, okay. you know, and uh, as we have covered uh, all of the different castings uh, since the previous film came out and the different uh, characters that are going to be returning uh, that had roles in the first film back in 19, uh, you know, John Carpenter's original film versus the 2018 film. Um, that this uh, Halloween Kills is, uh, I'm being, or I'm reading, that it's going to be uh, more than just about uh, Laurie Strode, that uh, this is going to be, they're calling it um, an unraveling of a community, yeah, into chaos, Mm -hmm. uh, and that you're Mm -hmm. going to see all of these characters that have been damaged from these circumstances kind of come together like a Haddonfield uprising, Uh, involving all of those characters from 1978, uh, making a stand against uh, Michael Myers. But they did say that uh, this is still Laurie's story, uh, and they they had so much wonderful things to say about Jamie Lee Curtis. They said that they were just really able to push the envelope with her more uh, this time around as they've gotten to know her better, that they said that she is just a total badass, uh, that she does all her own stunts, and was willing to go yeah. as far as pushed, uh, you know, in this film, which is just awesome, because uh, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is an old lady now, you know? we uh, yeah. do a quick look here, and see how old she actually is. Um, but yeah, but like but, she but had Jamie a, Lee Curtis
2: has always been that way, you know, with her son. You know, she's always been one
3: yes. to, you know,
2: give give the younger actors a hard time. I remember when, uh, watching an interview with her when she did the movie Virus, and... Um, <coughs> Picking on all the younger actors and actresses because they didn't want to get dirty, they didn't,
0: you know, want to get
2: mucked up, you know, in front of the camera. And Jamie that Curtis literally t- took, you know, a big ass can of used mortar oil and like poured it all over herself and put it all over her body and stuff like that. Like, no, this is what you look like when you're doing
3: an action movie. <laughs> you know, get into your role. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she's 61 now, and you know, for 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 males and females, like 61, uh, to be doing stunts is, uh, you know, that's up there in age, and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis had a very, very successful Hollywood career, but I feel like uh, before Halloween 2018, she had kind of settled into this role of, like, uh, yogurt uh, yogurt spokesperson. uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, You know, I did not expect to, like, see her back on screen and just kicking ass, and uh, while there was some ass kicking in 2018, apparently uh, the stunts and stuff that she pulls off in upcoming Halloween Kills is going to be pretty awesome as well. So, uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to, you know, more news about this film. As as I would imagine, they're going to keep giving out little pieces to keep us uh, keep it in our minds. That's what I would hope because we got over a year till we till we get there. And but hopefully, counts, I don't get open like in a, Paris before.
2: Okay, cuz it sounds kind of like they're going um like almost a parent of Elm Street kind of thing cuz King, you're the big Halloween fan. It's like how you yeah. know how come they never really brought in this community thing with the whole Michael Myers storyline.
0: I think
1: that um, well, go ahead, go
3: ahead, King, go ahead.
1: It's okay. Uh no, they they have. I mean, in Halloween 2, there's a scene with Loomis outside the Myers' house. And you have a bunch of people gathered outside and they're throwing rocks at the windows and they're yelling and they're cursing because people in their community have been killed by Michael. And then they carry over to Halloween 6, again, not a fan favorite of a lot of people, but they also have a, a gathering in the center of town where people are condemning Halloween. They're trying to ban it, but there's also people trying to get it back. So you get this back and forth, but at the same time, with Halloween kills, I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing how far they go into the community because you have to think. Yeah. This and, this Michael Myers has killed a bunch of fucking people, and they're gonna want blood.
3: Yeah, and don't forget, uh, you know, and it's an interesting question that you ask, uh, Monkey. But in in this in this realm in in this world, all we have is 1978 to 2018, and Michael was apprehended right. after the events of 1978 and has been locked up until the events of 2018. So it's not like. Uh, this mysterious being has kept coming back and coming back, like in the uh, overarching uh, Halloween series. And uh, to kind of just add a little bit to what the king is saying about the community, and forgive me because I always forget if it's part four or part five, but in, oh, in part four, it's part four. Uh, in part four, uh, there's a whole, like, multiple truckloads of local vigilantes with shotguns driving yeah. all over town. Uh, you know, that end up in that massive shootout at the end. So, you know, there has been some oh, community action. Right. You know, there has been some community action uh, surrounding all things Myers in the town of Haddonfield. Okay. Yeah. Part
1: four, they have the vigilante uh, posse that gets together after drinking a bunch of beers and they end up killing poor Ted Hollister and the center of town. They go Michael. So, <laughs> you know, that poor guy. So it, it's been there. I mean, that was originally Carpenter's idea for part four when they asked him originally to write a script, he did write one where Michael was more of a specter and it's how a town deals with it 10 years later with these murders happening again. So the idea has always been there to explore more of the Haddonfield community. They've just never done it really in a proper way. So I'm hoping that Halloween kills does do something, especially with the the climate that we're in. I think, you know, with everybody getting so enraged over everything, I think having a killer come back uh, 40 years later and killing a bunch of people it's going to cause a lot of people to get out of their chairs and get out into the town and start screaming, you know, and wanting justice.
0: I won't wear a mask. You can't make me.
1: (laughs) Damn you, Michael, wear a mask. Right ahead of you. (laughs) So so we'll look forward to that next year, 2021. All right. So what's next, uh, Dean?
3: So uh, Toy Story 4 director Josh Cooley uh, has been hired to, direct little monsters for universal uh you know no relation to the other uh film from the late 80s called little monsters starring fred savage uh but uh this is more going to as you know these titles continue to come back to the forefront is going to be a love letter to the classic hollywood uh universal monsters and it's going to be quote a more family-friendly version of the classic Universal Monsters. So it looks like they're having a, you know, little entry-level Universal Monster movie for the kids coming out uh, that will be called Little Monsters. Uh, okay?
1: Hmm. What do you mean okay? Uh, it sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> What's but, your problem, but Monkey? What do you think? Like, like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, are they, like,
3: gonna do watered-down, like...
2: You know, cartoon family, you know, family cartoon kind of thing
3: going on here? Or, like. Uh, it, I think it they, said live action. I think it said live action. Um, I don't think it's going to be animated. Okay.
1: Yeah, as far as I know, it, it's live action. You know, and it's going to introduce the kids of today to the classics, you know, which I think is a great idea. You know, these are the OG monsters Frankenstein and Wolfman and Invisible Man, Dracula. You know, I think it, it could be fun, you know, to expose kids to the old school stuff.
3: Yeah, and I have some yeah, little to... news about those I have a little bit of news about those old school monsters, but that'll come a little bit later uh in 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 the stories that I have to share with you all this evening. Alright. All okay. Right. So Monkey, what were you saying?
2: No, I'm just trying to figure out how they're gonna make this I'm just trying to wrap my head about how they're gonna make this Work while still keeping it a Universal Monsters movie without completely watering it down like Hotel Transylvania.
1: Well, they did it with Monster Squad. That worked out pretty well.
3: Yeah, that worked oh, out it was better bad. than yeah. them, uh, pretty well.
1: <laughs> well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. You know, I mean, okay. it's been done before. <laughs> you know, it's not like it hasn't been done. I mean, it has, and it's worked out. I mean, uh, Monster
0: yeah, Squad's a classic. You know,
2: so. Yeah, but I'm saying what's considered family friendly in the '80s is way different than what's considered family friendly now.
0: <laughs>
1: I guess in a way, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm removed from that. I don't watch kids programming. No, programing. that's, that's like definitely them.
3: true. Whatever was considered <laughs> family friendly or safe for kids in the '80s is definitely much different than than now. That is,
0: that is not
3: debatable at all. <laughs> all right, sorry, Dean. Right. What else do you have on the news? In fact. In fact, I was—I can't remember what it was—but I was watching something. I swear, yesterday or the day before, and for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. And I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, like, if there's ever opportunity, like, this might be a fun uh, film to watch with my students." And one of the characters, like, "Oh, I know a great place to get uh, coffee." and the other character's like yes and then it cuts to the next scene and uh, it's a, it's a woman's butt cheeks in a thong uh, bent over a stripper pole with the stripper pole between the butt cheeks um, because they went <laughs> to a strip club to have the coffee and like this is like a movie that i remember like watching like a PG-13 like watched it as a, i can't I can't remember maybe it'll pop into my head during the show um <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's, forget about that. I could never show this. I could n- never show this. <laughs> no. Um, so, anyway. Donald Duck like <laughs> had duck tits. Uh, much different. That's much different. But duck tits are That's much different. Um, <laughs> Stephen King, we talk about him so much on the show. Uh, he put out a, <laughs> a short story collection, Stephen King, a short story collection <laughs> called If It Bleeds, uh, have mm-hmm. uh, has any of you guys read short stories from If It Bleeds? Because I have not. I'm halfway through it. Yeah, I know oh, yeah. you have. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So, I'm about halfway through it. Uh, not bad. You know, under under the Netflix umbrella, uh, Blumhouse and Ryan Murphy are teaming up to bring a feature film uh, adaptation of Mr. Harrington's Phone or ha- Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Uh, from the short story collection, If It Bleeds, that's going to turn into a feature film for Netflix um, with a with a teamed-up Blumhouse and Ryan Murphy. So uh, if that's your kind of thing, you should be looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully we will be hitting Netflix sometime next year.
2: Um, yeah, because did you have something about that as well on the Talking Terror page about
3: uh, specific actors
2: already attached to some of these, King? <laughs> uh,
1: no, not actors, just people that are... are uh, Auctioning off these stories that they want to do. I know, like uh, Mr. Harrigan's phone, that's already been announced. Uh, Rat. Uh, I think Ben Stiller wants to direct that adaptation of Rat. Um, and there's another one that Darren Aronofsky uh, of Requiem for a Dream wants to do with his company. Um, so yeah, oh, okay. they're 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 taking part of that book and they're they're planning on making it into uh, Netflix series or theatrical. Um, but yeah, they're already ripping that book apart, trying to get stories to make the, the screen.
3: <laughs> All right, as you were, Gene. Also, with regards to Netflix, uh, last week we spent some time talking about the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries reboot, uh, which had you know mixed reviews from all of your Talking Terror hosts. Uh, so the episodes that were released uh, for the first batch was just the first half of the first season, and there's going to be mm-hmm. another batch of episodes to complete season one, that will be released a little bit later this year. And the one thing that I was reading today is that the episodes that are coming later this year are going to be, uh, you know, involving things of a little bit more of a paranormal um, nature, some ghost stories and some other stories of the, the paranormal. So I only made it now through a- uh, two episodes. Uh, you know, last, last we met for our... Talking Terror show I had only seen The first episode But yesterday I watched the second episode uh, And you know My feelings about the show Stand but I don't need to repeat My whole opinion again But uh, you know I'll sure I'll watch a little bit more But you know If you're into More of the paranormal uh, you'll, You should be looking forward I guess To the next batch of Episodes of Unsolved Mysteries On Netflix Yeah as far as I know
0: It's going to be
1: One
3: episode Yeah
1: Yeah it's One episode I think Is going to be A ghost story according to the showrunner. They want to do something different for the next six. But I think they're going to be keeping it mostly true crime and then throwing in uh, the ghost story in there. So I'd like it to be more uh, ghosts and and, uh, UFOs and stuff like that. But you take what you get. You know, they obviously are are knee-deep in the true crime aspect of it. So I'm still looking forward to it when it comes out the next six, and I'll watch
2: them. All right. So King will watch them. He'll let us know how bad they are when
1: they come out. A fine plan. I will be on it. Also,
3: in the world of all things, Netflix Netflix will be developing a sequel to their hugely popular film, Bird Box. Uh, I had talked about on the show at some point in the past uh, (laughs) that there's going to be a sequel novel Uh, called Mallory that will be released on January 21st and Netflix will be developing their sequel uh, based on that sequel novel which supposedly will ultimately take place 10 years after the events of the first Bird Box film of which I have not seen or read uh, the original novel I remember that Sandra Bullock runs around with a uh, blindfold and then a bunch of assholes started doing it in real life but, um, you know, <laughs> if that's your thing and, yeah. and you enjoyed Bird Box, which, you know, was kind of one of those, uh, I guess you can call it horror movies that, you know, kind of smashed through to the mainstream and had a huge audience uh, and you liked it, um, there'll be the opportunity for you to, to see more. So, uh, you know, no timetable on when uh, there will be this uh, film uh, making it onto Netflix because the sequel novel hasn't even been released yet but if you're a fan uh, you know you'll at least have something to look forward to
1: yeah it was uh, a okay. yeah I've talked about it before how Bird Box kind of came and it fucking hit and everybody's like dude have you seen Bird Box it's fucking amazing and then a week later it was gone like nobody was talking about Bird Box anymore you know it just it, it came and it's... went I watched it it just it felt like a quiet place all over again except they're blindfolded this time around with, with creepy monsters So uh, the fact that they they are adapting Marjorie into a uh, feature length for Netflix, I guess they feel like they can strike iron again, you know, and uh, get that money, not money, but uh, get that audience back. That really did like Bird Box. Whoever's out there like Bird Box.
3: I mean, a lot of people liked it. Netflix uh, doesn't give numbers, but, you know, they've said it was one of their most popular films.
1: And it was. I mean, I, I can't deny that. It was definitely big. A lot of people were talking about it, but it just it came and went. You know, it wasn't one of those things where I felt like months later people were still talking about fur box. It just seemed very quick in and out. And now they're announcing this. So and I don't know if too much time I wanna, has passed. I just want
3: yeah, to clarify, too. Did you say Marjorie? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Mallory. Is it Mallory? I thought it was Marjorie. I'm reading. Uh, I have it pulled up right here. Okay. No, I believe. I know it. when I, I write just, my notes. I yeah. I know when I write my notes, <laughs> I can barely decipher what I'm reading, uh, but I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at it on the the computer screen. No, I believe you. I'll, I'll
1: take you okay. word for it. I mean, I definitely think that it's you know. But for some reason, I thought it was Marjorie. Anyway, proceed. What do we got next? Uh,
3: from the favorite series of the King of Horror. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back uh, tops the box <laughs> office this week, uh, pulling in $644,000 from 483 locations uh, across the land. Uh, so, again, studios continuing to put old uh, properties back into the theaters and continuing to win the box office each week uh, as they do so.
2: Man, if there was a drive in near me, I would totally going to see that shit. Oh, fuck yeah. Any chance to see a Star Wars movie on the big screen, I'm all over that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. It's, especially because especially Empire, because that's my
3: fucking jam right there. <laughs> that's my favorite Star Wars movie. There you ever. go. <laughs>
0: there you go. Right. I think most,
3: most people would, <laughs> a, would agree with you. And, you know, hopefully, maybe perhaps one day you will get the chance. But, with that being said, uh, One of the Kings, another, uh, you know, avenue uh, that is one of the favorites of the King on Shudder. And, uh, you know, I know the King was tremendously disappointed from his in-person encounters with uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Um, I hope Mm -hmm. time has I hope time has softened the wounds uh, because Shudder has announced uh, for 2021 that there is going to be a third season of the last drive in uh, with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, You should look forward to that sometime next year. But uh, to keep your interest, uh, they have announced a a summer special sleepover double feature. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs uh, is teaming up with Adam Green and some other surprise guests on August 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern time for the summer special sleepover double feature. So if you can't get enough of Joe Bob Briggs and he apparently had enough of you. Uh, And you're also (laughs) a fan of Adam Green. Uh, There will be an opportunity for you to to spend some time with those guys in the comfort of your own home uh, this August 14th.
1: I'm looking forward Uh, to it. You know, when I put it on the Facebook page, I was looking forward to it. I just I separate the character from the man. I could watch uh, the Last Drive In and enjoy it because I know that's just him playing a character. But yeah, meeting him in real life sucked. (laughs) So I put that
3: memory behind. Always a bummer, man. Always a bummer when that happens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: but okay. But so he's doing a sleepover with Adam Green. All right. So you know now that we've met him, King, how do you, how do you think he's actually going to be on here? Because it's usually you know people get it really you know personal on Adam Green's sleepovers.
1: But it's not going to be Adam Green's sleepover. It's going to be him on the Last Drive-In for the summer sleepover. So I doubt it's going to be as personal as Adam Green's scary sleepover. I think it's just going to be them talking about the movies that they're going to be watching, and that's about it. That's why, you know, Joe Bob keeps it that way. He tries to keep it fun and light. You know, he doesn't get too deep with his guests. That's not the
2: character oh, okay. of Joe Bob. See, he, okay, yeah, but see, I thought because it was Adam Green
3: in the sleepover, I thought it was, Adam, it was also going to be Adam Green's sleepover. So, okay, my mistake. Well, no. it's a, well, it's, well, Adam Green is taking part. They're, like, teaming up for it, but I believe right. it's under the that's banner of the Joe Bob, Blig, Joe Bob Briggs.
1: That's correct. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's going to be under Joe Bob's. Not, not Scary Sleepover, so I don't think it, there's going to be oh, okay. any uh, depth. So no, I'm, I'm going to check it out. With because I'm,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'm a huge fan of Adam Green, and, obviously, so I'll be checking it out.
3: And I do want to uh, say really quickly, uh, you know, Adam Green, alternatively to what sounds like uh, the King's experience with Joe Bob Briggs, Adam Green was absolutely delightful. Uh, when I oh, had yeah. the think- yep. chance to meet him uh, mm-hmm. at uh, the NJ HorrorCon a couple years ago, uh, when I flew out to to chill with the ghoul and enjoy the con, um, Adam Green had his table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he will talk and take selfies uh, for free. Um, and yes, he has, you know, different things to sign for, for money and everything. Uh, but he makes time for everyone. Uh, you know, my, my friend Jen, uh, who lives here in California and is a listener and a Har fan and a close friend, uh, is a huge Adam Green fan. And Adam and I was saying how she was so jealous uh, that I was going to meet him. Uh, he took my phone for me and turned it on selfie video mode and made like a two-minute video to her. Um, like, <laughs> just... The most generous person with his with his time, so um, yeah, man, that's like a fucking much awesome experience. Yeah, yeah, it was mm-hmm. really really cool. Um, so anyway, uh, it, uh, Adam Green was great. I never met Joe Bob Briggs, uh, but all I can go on is um, what the King has shared.
0: Yeah, and I've met Adam <laughs> Green too, and
1: it was probably one of the best conversations I had at the table, where we talked about not just his movies, but we talked about Guar and Dave Brockie, and what he meant to the show Holliston, and yeah. It was usually like a 15-minute conversation. That shouldn't happen. Usually they push you out for five minutes. They're like, alright, here's a picture, move on. But no, he was happy to talk. Like he was just happy to conversate with people. It's a rare thing that you see with people.
2: Yeah, man. <laughs>
3: okay, so what <laughs> yeah. else you got? Moving on. Okay. Moving on. Uh, NBC has announced... They're free. Peacock app. And hmm. on this Peacock app, there is a very, very, very large library of films in the horror genre. I was talking earlier about the classic monsters. Um, all of the yeah. classic Universal Monster movies are on there. Um, starting really? from
0: 1931
3: through 1964. All of the original Universal Monster movies, uh, all of the offshoots of those All of the Abbott and Costello versions, uh, all of those things are there, and it's all free. In addition to that stuff, uh, they have a handful of Hitchcock films and also a very extensive list of more uh, modern horror fair with many, many, many recognizable films, you know, not just, you know, 500 horror films that no one's ever heard of, except for The King. Um, There is uh, a whole uh host of familiar titles, a very extensive library, and that is the Peacock app, and it's entirely free. Uh, I have not downloaded it or checked it out. Uh, I'm going to assume that it's ad supported, uh, but they have a very That'd extensive library, uh, you know, very extensive library for genre fans. Um, so just you know, pretty cool since we were talking about the universal monsters. Uh, if you wanted a chance to see any of those originals, they're all there.
2: That's awesome yeah, I was watching it uh... to the public.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was watching sorry. it earlier.
1: <clears throat> That's okay. I was watching it earlier. I mean, no big deal. Uh, but they have the the Munsters, the original run, two seasons of that. And uh, then uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which is a show that I grew up with back in the day when it was on basic cable. And I used to watch it. Yeah, of that. I show so Alfred Hitchcock Presents
3: in my classroom every single year.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic series. And he's just we, such a great uh, every host. Every
3: year we read. Well, yeah. Well, every year... Uh, with my students, uh, we read the doll short story "Lamb to the Slaughter," and uh, that was turned into an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. So whenever there is something, right. a companion piece that's uh, that's viewable, uh, we always watch it. So we always read the story, and then we then we watch uh, the episode, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode, and then I talk about Alfred Hitchcock and all of this. So it's a really cool little uh, indoctrination to my little minions.
2: That's fantastic Yeah. So, so, uh, so does NBC Like have ownership Or rights then To Universal in some way Because I know Well Disney, they're connected oh, wait to Universal. A minute, Well Disney owns NBC though And then I thought Universal Monsters were tied to Universal Which is a different thing I don't know And okay. they're in conjunction yeah.
1: with NBC <laughs> NBC Universal that's all I know. It's NBC Universals. Oh. So that means that you can watch Universal movies, you know, through the Peacock. App. Oh, okay. So, don't know how it works. I just know it's through there. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's good to do there. All the classics, you know, to go back and watch those 30s uh, films. I'm a huge fan of those.
2: Yeah. Usually yeah, when nothing else is not i put on shiny... Dracula
1: or Frankenstein. Yeah,
2: and it's cool that it's there. And it's you know, Halloween's coming up. This is awesome that. It's there for free so families can get together and actually hang out and watch some classic horror.
1: Yeah, completely free. That's awesome. All right, Deans, what's next?
3: October is a pretty big month uh, for all things horror because it's Halloween, of course. Uh, But uh, it's going to be a very, 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 very big month for Scream Factory. Uh, Mm -hmm. They will be having, in October, they're going to be having a... Uh, Steel Box, uh, I think the, the, the King is a collector of the Steel Boxes, uh, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. But there's going to be a uh, Steel Box uh, Blu-ray for Pumpkinhead uh, that will yeah, be released on October 20th. <laughs> right. And October 13th, uh, Scream Factory is also going to be releasing a Steel Box, uh, but also 4K uh, transfer of Motel Hell. Oh, yeah. October 13th. And then, finally, uh, Scream Factory has announced, also being released on October 13th, uh, the massive, fully comprehensive Friday the 13th box set uh, that is going to consist of 16 DVDs. It's going to include every Friday the 13th movie in the series, including Friday the 13th 2009 and Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, it's billed as the complete co- co- collection. Uh, all of the original Friday the 13th uh, films are having uh, 4K scans and transfers from the original negatives uh, and a, an a, and a exhaustive uh, amount of special features uh, that are listed on their website that's just so comprehensive. I didn't even bother to make notes about it. Uh, you can, much, you can. It's it's truly a remarkable uh, box, and the the big box, the artwork looks fantastic. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's listed on Amazon right now, but it's not available for pre-order. It is available for pre-order on the Scream Factory uh, website. If you order your Friday the Thirteenth complete collection from Scream Factory, uh, you get some bonus materials in the form of uh, a couple of posters, as well as a lithograph. Um, the uh, the pre-order price for this massive box set on the Scream Factory website right now stands at $159.98. Fair that's, price.
2: Well, uh,
3: yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I have, You're only talking about 10 bucks a DVD. Yes. Um, I have to say, um, as one who uh, doesn't with the exception of Vinyl Records, uh, does not purchase tangible, holdable media anymore, um, I might... I just might uh, purchase this one. Um, I was reading about all of the features and everything, and it just... I kind of got caught up in the excitement as I was reading it, and it's definitely a possibility uh, that I'll be making my pre-order for this box set. Um, It just just sounds... Hmm just great <laughs> you know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one and I don't buy I don't buy shit like this anymore so <laughs> yeah
1: it comes with a 40 page booklet about the movies it comes with uh, some still photography you know if, that's just if you just get it not even pre order if you get the box that it comes with the booklet and the still photography from the movies I mean me I yeah it's an exciting thing but I have all the movies already on DVD on my shelf so I was like do I really want to invest $159 for movies that I already have You know, I don't know. So I have,
3: you know, I have, uh, you know, when, when I sold off, uh, you know, my collection, I, you know, I, I didn't sell everything. Of course, you know, I kept, you know, a Mm -hmm. a stack of stuff that I was like, oh, I'm not going to fucking sell this shit, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I do have, I do have uh, the Friday the 13th. Uh, Original film Blu ray that was released, the uncut version. Um, I do have Mm. that. Uh, But as far as uh, Friday the 13th stuff, that is the only one that I have. And I know that, you know, whether it's on Prime or Netflix, it's always like all of the films are always on one of them. And uh, one of the movie networks, maybe like Encore, has been showing uh, Friday the 13th for like fucking crazy. Like it's on every fucking day. Um, but, you know, I think that this, you know, my, my feelings of the franchise and my, you know, my connection to the franchise, uh, might lead me to want to have this one the whole, if you will.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, now this, now you said this is going to be done through Screen Factory. Um, so how is Screen Factory pulling this off though,
3: while we still have Friday the 13th in, you know, court limbo? Well, it's, it's not new. It's not new stuff. Right. You know, like, nope. this is stuff that's been out and has been for sale in, in different... I mean, there was a box set in 2012 or 2013. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it had uh, the uncut version of Jason Goes to Hell, uh, which is going to be on this one. And it also might not have had Freddy vs. Jason or um, the Friday the 13th remake. Uh this one is going to have all of those things. You know, Friday the 13th movies are still for sale. You can still buy all of them. Uh I guess when it comes to existing and again I'm just speculating here, but I guess when it comes to yeah. existing stuff, uh you know, whatever agreements are in place are different than uh the ability to create new material. Uh so okay. I mean that would be my that would be that would be my guess. Um you yeah. know, when it comes to that. You're
1: right. Yeah, it's all his. It it's new content can't be released. Video games, action figures, movies, TV shows, specials, it can't be new. But if you have an existing property with all those movies, yeah, you could get them out.
0: Yeah, because they were able set.
3: to, like, they were able to make that video game, but then they had to stop making, like, new material for it, like, when that lawsuit first started heating up. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Uh, last I feel like last we talked about that, like like, maybe – in May, this shit was supposed to be wrapped up. I don't know if like COVID is throwing a monkey wrench into those things, um, but who knows? But, I would assume so because yeah, I okay. haven't
1: heard anything from Larry Zerner or anything anybody
3: about the uh, yeah.
1: the conclusion of the lawsuit. So I think COVID probably just pushed it back.
3: So who knows when we're going to get a yeah. update on that? But yeah, yeah so you know, I cool do. Thing. I think you know, I haven't fully made up my mind yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm. This is something that I'm gonna pull the trigger on. I think I like. There's just as soon as I was reading it, like all I was thinking of was like, wow, like I, I would really like to have this. I would really like to own this, um, you know. And in you know, it's those bigger things that I have that mm-hmm. I did not get rid of. Like I have the the Halloween special edition that uh, DVD set that has uh, like the clear window with the Michael Myers mask inside the window, and it has uh, mm-hmm. like oh, the original Halloween, but also like the the TV version that had some of the added scenes that were put in for broadcast television, um, you know. And I have the like the wooden, uh, wooden, uh, you know, burn engraved uh, box set for the, wicker, the original Wicker Man. Like I, like some of my special shit like that. I didn't get rid of when I sold off all my shit. But um, you know, I think that this is well, a, a piece that I think I'm going to have to pull the trigger on.
2: Plus, you also get the additional things like the King said about the lithograph and the posters.
3: You know, so you're getting, you know, some possible artwork to put up in the place as well. Yeah, that stuff doesn't get put up in my place. Uh, it'll get put up in my classroom is where it will get put <laughs> <laughs> no, no, That shit, that's, that shit yeah. can't get put up in my place, man. Uh, just uh, oh, yeah. uh, as an example, just getting the like my giant, uh, you know, the Crystal Lake Memories coffee table book, just, you know, getting that on the stack of coffee table books was it was it was, was a debate. So, um, you know, inside, I don't have it. this stuff like open uh, and full out on display in my classroom. But like when you open my closets, like, like I have all this stuff on like the, the inside of the closet doors and, and stuff like that. So uh, <laughs> that's probably where that stuff will will end up residing.
1: And aside from Motel Hell and the Friday the 13th box set, they're also going to be releasing on Blu-ray for the first time ever the 1984 Terror in the Isles, which was released in the theaters, and it's basically Donald Pleasence and Nancy Allen talking about the highlights of every horror film that have been made from the 30s up until 84. So it's basically just a a, a hot reel of Exorcist and and The Burning and Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Carrie, all these movies. It was played on-stop on HBO back in the day it's called Terror the Nancy Arno. Allen. had Cobra. Uh, yeah. Nancy
3: Allen that Nancy was Allen. in uh, RoboCop?
1: Yes, yeah, and Carrie. Yes. And um, Blowout,
3: which I think is my favorite uh, Nancy Allen film with John Naturolta, directed by Brian she De Palma. She was in... Give me a second for my brain, because um, I know her the most from RoboCop, but she was in... She was in Dressed to Kill. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah. With uh, the actor who played Arnie Cunningham. Sure. and her scene.
1: Michael
3: uh, Caine. That's, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's, Ke- uh, that's Keith Gordon. Correct. Yes. And, and Angie Keith Gordon. Yes. Uh, Keith Gordon uh, has gone on to have a very successful uh, career as a director. Um, he was mm-hmm. in a lot of 80s uh, films uh, as an actor. Uh, you would have obviously known him from Christine, uh, but he was in uh, several films uh, in the 1980s, including uh, one of my favorites. From oh, he was in Jaws too. Um, yes, he was. Yeah, and uh, he was also in one of my favorite 80s films, The Legend of Billie Jean, and
0: uh, he,
3: he was he was the the son of the rich guy that, like, took the crew in, and then also, uh, he was in uh, one of, you know, not my all-time favorite comedy, but probably in my top five. Uh, If not in my top five, it's certainly in the low numbers between five and ten, like six, seven range. Uh, He played Rodney Dangerfield's son in the 80s classic Back to School. Oh, I didn't
0: know that.
1: It's been a long time since I've seen that
3: one. Yeah, so... Hmm. Um, you know, Back to School came out in 1986, <laughs> and yes, uh, Thornton Mellon, uh, it's just classic, great performances from Sam Kinison, Burt Young, Robert Downey Jr., yeah. and um, and Kurt Vonnegut, but anyway, uh, fun, <laughs> so funny story about how I was watching the film and was like, oh, I could never show this in my class, uh, back when I was still teaching in Perth Amboy, uh, it was like free time for a movie, and like I always love to like when we have a time like this, I love to show, especially in Perth Amboy, where ninety five percent of my students are Dominican and Puerto Rican and don't have the kind of grasp on the American film canon uh, that that we do uh, by any stretch of the imagination, like they have heard of almost nothing. Uh, I was like, "All right, back to school would be perfect." Um, so we put on back to school, and like we're all laughing and having a good time, and it's funny. And they're like, they think Rodney Dangerfield is funny, and they don't know, you know, they, but they don't even know who he is, and like his legendary status as a comic. Like it's just like this funny movie. And early on in the film, uh, when uh, Rodney Dangerfield decides that he's, you know, going up to the school to see his son, uh, when he gets there, uh, he first walks into a sorority house and, uh, you know, looking for his kid. He just saw the Greek letters, thought it was the fraternity house. And uh, he makes his way up to the, to, the, to the upstairs, and here's the shower going. And I'm watching this, and when we were watching it in the class, I had forgotten, because it had been a while since I had seen it, that when he rips open the shower curtain, uh, they present you with a topless female. Now, uh, this is playing from my laptop on one side of the classroom, and I'm on the other side of the classroom, and he's making his way up the steps, and I had one of those moments that was like, oh, oh, shit, uh, you know, <laughs> like, th- there's about to be, there's about to be a pair of tits on the screen uh, in my, in my, in my eighth grade class here, um, this, this cannot stand. And, like I, try, like, I tried so hard to get there, and I, I just – I couldn't get there in time, and it happened. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, the boys were all, like, screaming like maniacs, and the girls were all blushing and embarrassed, and, like, there was nothing I could do but apologize. And, you know, thankfully, you know, in that particular district, like, no one was going home and being like, just what the teacher did today, just like any other school. That's exactly what, yeah. what, would, have happened, what would have happened, but, like – yeah, man, it was just one of those moments when you're like, oh, this movie's rated PG-13. This is perfect. You know, in 1986, you could show a pair of boobs in a PG-13 movie. Like you can't do that anymore. Um, so lesson learned. Um, and there, 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 there you have it. Like, that's a true story, man. Uh, like that. It's like that. That's like picture like that. That slow motion reach of my hand trying to hit my computer no. keyboard and hit the yeah exactly trying to hit the pause button. Um,
1: eyes down. Eyes down. You
3: know, so you know, there's a there's a whole lot of stuff you could put in PG-13 uh, that you can't put in PG-13 anymore, and and boobs is for sure one of them, um, and also like <laughs> naked lady butts with strip club pole between their butt cheeks and pasties <laughs> on their nipples. So uh, well, you know, okay if you ever if find yourselves, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ever find <laughs> yourselves in the position of teacher and you're debating what to show, be very careful what PG-13 movies you pick. Because um, you never know What might come popping up on the screen <laughs> Well that's why
1: back in the day Like when I was in junior high They showed uh, Romeo and Juliet with Olivia Hussey In English class
3: Oh And yeah, they had to totally roll in
1: the, the TV So the teacher could just stand in front of the TV When the tits come out and he's like nope <laughs> He just stands right in front of the TV Until that scene's over And he's like okay back to it It's like but yeah there's boobs yep. <laughs> You know in that movie
2: Everyone's
3: trying to look around the teacher
2: <laughs> Oh we tried
1: we
3: should. Oh, the movie the movie I was talking about before with the coffee and the butt cheeks was the uh, Dan Aykroyd Tom Hanks eighties uh, uh, reboot of Dragnet. Dragnet. Oh uh,
1: yeah, I haven't seen that movie in forever. I used to love that oh, movie. Exactly. I and good. you I might I don't even you, remember of that. course
3: and, and I loved it growing up too, and you probably forgot that there was a scene when they went to a strip club for coffee and there was a naked <laughs> chick yeah. with the butt cheeks between the pole Just like I forgot. Nope, no, yeah.
1: Yeah, I completely hey, forgot. Hey, I'll have to watch it again. Be like, hey, oh my god, you're right.
3: Any nor name,
2: you know? He was like, "Hey, Nancy," or something like that.
1: Yeah, Tom Hanks. And yeah. then they had the yeah. Uh,
2: and then they had the, the then they had the drag rap that go along
3: with the movie. <laughs> it totally did. It totally one of those
1: it. weird Tom Hanks classics back in the eighties. He did so many good ones. With, not even a uh, Tom Money Hanks Pit. classic,
3: like his. That was the uh, secondary. Well, in in, well, Bachelor Party and Money Pit, uh, he was the lead. Bachelor Party is one of like the first. Uh, raunchy films that I had seen and uh, when, was was way too young to have seen Bachelor Party when I saw it <laughs> yeah. and thought I was watching the most scandalous thing that I can ever possibly have watched uh, as a young kid. But in that role <laughs> and The Money Pit, which I saw in the theater, uh, those were Tom Hanks' vehicles uh, in Dragnet because yeah. I just watched it two days ago uh, he was the secondary character. He was the well, not secondary, but he was the second lead. It was more of a a Dan Aykroyd vehicle than like a co vehicle. Um, yeah. yeah. But but still, you know, one of those kind of films that Tom Hanks was in before he really exploded into the Tom Hanks that we know now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. A ton of those movies. Like Joe uh, Joe versus Volcano, which is another favorite mm-hmm. of mine. The, the, the volunteers burbs. with John Candy, the Burbs, <laughs> and oh, uh, uh, oh, that
3: t- t- Turner, Turner and Hooch.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that movie destroyed me when I was a kid. Sorry, that movie to this day still kills me <laughs> with that dog
3: Yeah, all of it. The, there was like a whole. Aww. It's so funny. There was a whole period, a whole period of time, uh, where where there were all these movies with cops with dogs. Like there was one with James Belushi called Canine. Uh, I saw that one. Yeah. equivalently, like you know, tugged at the, at the heartstrings. Um, but yeah, with uh, Tom Hanks, like kind of like big, he like big kind of blew him into that kind of superstardom. Uh, and then yeah. like League of Their Own and uh, the one of the first one with Meg Ryan, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously uh, Philadelphia, he, he won an Academy Award. And then uh, Forrest Gump, he won the second Academy Award in a row. And uh, you know, then from there, like you know, he's just become like the rest
2: is history. Like America's
3: like <laughs> he's like now he's like considered like he's like taking the mantle of America's dad now even. Um, and he's, well a observed, funny, uh, ve- he- he's a very funny. He's a very funny social media presence as well. Like his Twitter is very entertaining mm. and whatnot. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this is not a show about Tom Hanks. Uh, this, <laughs> this is a show about. about Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes, uh, this is a show about horror. And here on this show, uh, we talk about things involving horror movies, and we're going to talk about one tonight, uh, the Mad Monkey selection.
1: That's right. In 2011, Okay in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard. So take it away, monkey.
3: All right. On
2: tonight's episode of Talking Terror, we are going to talk about the difference between an elephant and an elephant seal. We're going to talk about the difference between zombies and we zombie are. redneck torture family. We are also going to talk about the difference between between sacrifice and true, personal, slightly controlled sacrifice, which is exactly what what five unknowing college students did when they decided to take a weekend trip up to a cabin in the woods, a trip where the only expectations were drinking, smoking pot, and fucking their brains out, and possibly, maybe, someone is hoping they just might save the world while they're doing all of that. And that's what this movie's about. <laughs> For me, this is my first time watching this movie. Um, a co worker had suggested I check it out under the, the notation that this film nails every trope of a classic horror movie in both respective and satirical ways. So I was just expecting, you know, like another teenage slasher in the woods kind of story, which, you know, I'm perfectly fine with. You, you know, I fucking love those movies. But I'm going blind. Yep. And in the opening credits, I see the name Josh Whedon. And his production studio, Mutant Enemy Productions. So I was listening like, "Fuck, man! There goes the whole fucking movie, or any surprises along with with it." Because anytime you see Whedon's name attached to a project, you know it's gonna have some kind of nerd sci-fi content in somewhere. So unfortunately, when this shit started to happen, I was never like, "Oh shit," or "Whoa!" I was just like, "Yep, it's Whedon." <laughs> um. That being said, I was really surprised by the amount of the, all of the lovely gore that was in this movie. I was not expecting all of this. And I really loved that surprise, guests at the end. But overall, you know, it, it was a fun movie that had some fun dark humor in it that made me laugh. You know. Okay. But, you know, so hmm. that's,
3: that's what I thought of it.
1: All right. Dean, what do you think about The Cabin in the Woods?
3: Uh, So Cabin in the Woods has actually been one that's been on my list for quite some time to check out. Um, As I hadn't seen it in full before, I feel like uh, one time a long time ago uh, after uh, it was available to view on the home front, I might've put it on once late at night, but it was too late at night and I fell asleep pretty quickly. And for whatever reason, never revisited it. Um, So I was looking forward to watching it for the show. Um, And I do want to say that I found that uh, there were some entertaining parts to this, and I thought that the concept uh, was a great concept for a horror movie. Uh, I just thought that the the larger story and the execution uh, left a little bit to be desired. Hmm. I can agree with that.
0: And uh,
1: I had seen... uh, the Cabin of the Woods in the theater when it first came out. Um, I really have no feelings towards Joss Whedon whatsoever, so it didn't really bother me. Um, but I saw it, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was, where it was just kind of not necessarily a love letter to horror movies, but kind of like showing you just exactly how dumb they can be at times, like how predictable that they can be, you know, in the right circumstances. Um, I ended up buying it on Blu-ray. I have the novelization, the movie tie-in. You know, because I wanted to see what else they could do in the book other than the movie, which is uh, the book is better, in my opinion. But it's just it's a fun movie <laughs> where, yeah, tons of gore and predictability all around. But I think they played it in such a great way where you have two people controlling the environment, specifically for the ultimate uh, ritual, you know, for the elder gods, you know, underneath. And to have Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins play these two characters was brilliant because I think they're both oh, great yeah. actors in their own rights.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, man. The, uh, their roles were like some of my favorite in this entire movie <laughs> of what they were doing, as opposed to our cast of, you know, heroes or sacrifices, however you want to look at them. You know, but yeah, those two, Tequila. you know, did great best movie.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Tequila is my lady. Tequila is my lady. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and
2: like the I'm sorry, King. Were you done with your statement, or did you have No,
1: to say? I was done. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I
2: just oh, I wasn't yeah. trying to say um, something. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree with what the dean was saying here. I really like the premise. I just wish we had gotten a little bit more instead of like just the dumps that we got in the third act. Like you know, I like I wish we had been explained a little bit more throughout the entire thing. You know, it, I think they could have. Weave a little bit more of that into the first two acts, which I'm sure they did in the book, you know, uh, uh, of Mm -hmm. explaining that a little bit better, Um, you know. But yeah, I, you know, but at the same time, I like the two contrasts of the two, two separate worlds that are going on. Of we have our classic horror story, and we have, you know, our story in the in the bunker. So, so two different stories going on, you know, but they're, you know, both overlapping. But at the same time. You know, each one is in its own little world doing its own thing. And I was enjoying the separatism between the two stories.
0: Yeah.
1: And the fact that they kind of give it to you right away what this movie is going to be. Like, it's not going to be your standard, a couple people go to a cabin in the woods and they're attacked by something. There's something else going on, which I like that they gave it to you right away. That you're in this underground bunker with uh, Stitterson and Hadley. You know, and they're just kind of making small talk. But at the same time, tonight's a big night. You know, tonight's where all the rituals have to work out. And obviously, you know, Tokyo has failed and all these other places have failed. So now it's kind of up to the American uh, bunker to make this ritual go through. What it well, is, you know, we find out. But, yeah. You
2: know. Well But at the same time, we don't know what's really going on just yet. You know, we don't know anything about rituals. You know, all we know is, you know, that they're talking about some high-tech shit, you know, that um, Stockholm has failed, you know on their department Japan is you know you know catching right up to them you know and they're like you know oh it's always fucking Japan and we got to compete with Japan you know and it sounds like you know almost like um you know tech companies you know fight, fighting over some kind of territory you know or or something and they're talking about you know R and D, you fucked up. You know tech support, you fucked up over here. You know last year we messed up and we blamed all tech support and the one woman that's running around with the clipboard and stuff like that. You know he's like, hey wait, you work in tech support, don't you?
0: <laughs>
2: and she's like, yeah, but I want to know what's going on. He's like, okay, 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 I'll tell you what's going on. And then he takes off in the golf cart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so just cut of all of us, becomes... you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cabin in the woods. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: What's interesting but, I was reading yeah. earlier uh that for that whole opening sequence in the you know in the corporate complex if you will uh that they, they 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 started uh the movie with that stuff uh because they wanted to confuse the audience about whether or not they were like in the right film because Nothing about that says Cabin in the Woods, um, no. in any way, um, which I you know, I thought was a kind of entertaining way to, to start things off. Uh, but I also had kind of vague remembrance of that from the time that I tried to watch it the first time. that uh, was unsuccessful viewing.
1: And I thought that they did a good job with it. You know, I mean, you're sitting in a movie, you're wanting to see a slasher, and you see these two guys in a fucking bunker. Uh, yeah, My ticket's right, right? Like, we're in the right theater. but So it works. But also... <laughs> when you get introduced to the main set of characters, where you have Dana, Jules, um, Holden, Marty, and Kurt, they're all easily playing the parts that they're supposed to be playing right from the get-go. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, you have, you know, the, the virginal-type girl, even though she's slept with her professor already. But then you have Jules as kind of the <laughs> horse character, Kurt as the jock, you know, Holden, kind of the brainy guy, and then Marty shows up with his coffee cup that's also a bong. In his car.
2: like ready to go and fucking party. fucking bong ever. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that he can yeah, make and, it into a, a
1: coffee cup and he's like, oh, it's a coffee cup.
2: And I read that that was actually a fully functioning bong and it cost them $3,000 to make.
1: Oh, man.
0: $3,000
1: <laughs> to make that. Well, it's a good, hey, listen. <laughs> you know, but it's a very cool effect. But. You know, and there's a good dynamic between these characters too, where it's not it's just not impossible to believe that they could be friends. Um and I just I love the dynamic with Kurt and Jules when Kurt finds the books and he's like, Where did you get these? What are you doing with these books? He's like, I learned it from you and runs away, like, you know, it's kind of a playful thing. <laughs> what play. a
3: fantastic, <laughs> fantastic reference. That's a deep cut reference. You gotta be of a certain age the to know that. Oh, yeah, the PSA
1: with the dad and the son, with the marijuana. Oh yeah.
3: No, I still use classic, that fucking but... line and shit. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. I say that I say that all the time, uh, like with stuff with <laughs> students. They have no idea what I'm talking about. It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> and so they but get yeah, into like their the RV they're... and off they go.
2: Oh. Uh huh. No, go ahead. Like you like you were saying, the dynamic is really good. Where everyone's getting along. Everyone has their established roles that are necessary for a classic cabin in the woods horror movie, but no one's being over douchebaggery to each other either. You know, they're, they're all actually friends, and even though they might crack on each other, you know, they actually do like each other. You don't have the jock being the asshole jock going around punching the fuck out of the stoner all the time or anything like that. You know, they are all actually genuinely like each other.
1: They do. And uh, they get into their RV for a weekend at Kurt's Cousins' cabin in the woods. And as they drive away, you see a guy on the rooftop saying, you know, the nest is empty, now we can carry on. You know, so, okay, now we're getting into this where it's like, okay, there's something else going on. It's not just them going to a cabin in the woods. There's a subplot where that involves Hadley and Sinner in this underground lab of what is going to come next once they reach the cabin.
2: Yeah, and they made it a point that, you know, this cab, you know, they're, as they're driving along, this cabin is way the fuck out there. They established straight off the echo, and I love that they did this, that they're going off the grid, you know, and the stoner is like, you yep. know, yeah, no G, no GPS, no cell phone signal, and I love that they cover this so no one can go. Why don't they just fucking call for help? You know, they, they're you know they're covering their bases here. I, you know, and just straight off the bat, you know, letting everyone know, <laughs> no, there is no outside help. You know, and at, and yeah. as they're going more and more off the grid, now we're seeing in the bunker, them zooming in and in and in with a satellite. <laughs> mhm.
1: And I thought it was great when they get through the tunnel, because they go through the tunnel to get to the cabin. And it's one of those things where you don't see it until it happens when the force field comes up and the eagle flies into it. It's like, well, that's their last chance. You know, they've crossed over into a place where they can't get out of. Like, they're trapped now. They don't realize it, but they are trapped. Now they are in the simulation.
2: I think they screwed up there with that scene, though, is the whole thing of, um, you know, the the eagle exploding against the, the force field. I think they should have not done the Eagle and just shown a glimmer instead of, a, of for, the force field. Because the whole thing of the mm-hmm. Eagle exploding on the force field, unfortunately, those of us who are paying attention will know exactly what happens fucking later. And it's just, I, I think they shouldn't have given that giveaway from the beginning. You well,
1: know, I think they weren't playing that for us. You know, we as an audience, as horror fans, would get it. You know, there's something wrong if they show a shimmer. You know, where it's like, what the fuck is that? You know, obviously they crossed over into a place where they can't get out of. So for the people that aren't really into horror films, I think that's what it was there for. They'd be like, oh shit, okay, so yeah, it's a force field. And that eagle died, so now they can't get out. All right, <laughs> you know, yeah, so. dig it. Yeah, into it. Yeah. And stopping at the gas station to fuel up, they run into the doomsayer Mordecai at the gas station. This <laughs> old man, that just likes to spit tobacco you know, trying to tell them that where they're going is where you need to go. And when he calls Jules a whore, that's when you even get Marty standing up for her. Marty's like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, excuse me? So it's like a cool dynamic where it isn't just a jock standing up for her. It's also Marty, you know, kind of stepping up and being like, who the fuck are you, man?
2: Yeah, because she's not a whore. She's, you know, she just changed her hair for the weekend, but you know, no one thinks she's a whore. You know, she's just a pretty
1: front. <laughs> yeah, well, the railroad's going to come through real soon. It's going to be real exciting for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the, ro- the roads are going to have road on them.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's a great little thing. It's, a, you know, obviously a nod to people like Crazy Ralph from the Friday 13 series, you know, but he doesn't really warn them, you know, which I thought was interesting. He doesn't tell them, like, you can't go to that cabin. It's evil. You know, if you go there, you're going to die. He just tells them where it is. He makes that comment about Jules being a whore. Then they're on their way.
2: Well, he also made the comment though that he's seen lots of people go there, but not, but none of them come back. You know, and he sa- said, you know, that people weren't the original owners. He's seen lots of people own that building, but all of them took off real quick. You know, so there was yeah. that. There
1: is. So I mean, yeah, then we get the phone win. call from Mordecai to to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and explains it even more.
2: Run, <laughs> speaker.
1: No, no, go ahead.
2: They are blind to what they are about to see. Yeah, it's like Old Testament kind of shit that he's just speaking, you know, into a payphone, you know, uh, you know, you know, they shall they shall reap their pains and all this shit, you know, that kind of crap, you know, just Old Testament kind of crap and Like, wait, did you put me back on speaker?
0: Oh, shit, did I? Oh, I
1: didn't mean to. God damn it! <laughs> sorry, Morty, sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know I did it. Um, but it's also in the lab where you get uh, the security guard, you know, the, the army guy who's standing at attention, doesn't really understand what's going on, but once he finds out further what they're doing, he doesn't really like it, necessarily. and doesn't really believe in what they're doing, but they explain to them why they're doing it. But it's when they're taking the bets that I really did enjoy. When they're all putting money on what the thing's going to be that gets them to the cellar. That's the whole point. <laughs> Get these people into the cellar. And everybody's taking bets, and, you know, maintenance has, you know, the one and he's like, well, I got the same thing. I'm an intern. He's like, you know, go with what your gut says. He's like, if they weren't maintenance, they wouldn't be making the same bet.
2: <laughs> you going to go Here's with what you with go that. with? You know I am. Okay, Uncle Man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What
3: did you mean by that? Sorry, Dean. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, what were you gonna say, Dean? I'll say like here's here's the thing with that. So we haven't really gotten into what like the overarching story is for this thing yet, but right. this sequence with in the control room with all of these characters uh, talking about the action and placing bets on what's going to happen. See, I feel like this is the stuff, uh, like that stuff, the behind the scenes pulling of the strings and production stuff. Uh, that I enjoyed the most, and wished that yeah. there was more of this throughout the film. Um, I'll share my feelings on the, what the overarching reasoning uh, was and what was behind this as we move along. But like, I, I, I found myself enjoying these parts uh, with all of the with all of the workers uh, to be the most entertaining part of this film. So were you yeah. laughing at why they were taking
2: bets and all that kind of stuff too, Dean?
3: I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily say laughing my ass off, but like, a, but this was where I was like, you know, perking up the most in my in my enjoyment and my attention and my and 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 how I felt about it as I was watching it. Obviously, as you guys had said before, the five characters that go to the cabin in the woods are just your walking horror movie stereotypes going to do a stereotypical uh, horror movie activity that that we've seen a million times, and this kind of yeah. behind-the-scenes kind of you know, puppet masters or, 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 or chess game creators or whatever you want to like call it uh, yeah. is, is what obviously sets this apart from other films of that ilk, and that's where I was getting my enjoyment from.
1: Um, and when they're in the cabin when they first get there and you have Holden going to his bedroom and Dana going to hers, when he sees this painting of a sheep being ripped apart, by dogs and hunters, he decides to take it off the wall and realizes that it's a two way mirror. And he starts ah, to check out Dana for a little bit, but then he's like, no, nope, no, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's just change rooms. And then what Marty was like, well they built interrogation rooms differently back in the eighteen hundreds.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: that explains it, you know, and then we get to uh, the stereotypical part of any slasher film that takes place in the woods like this where it's getting drunk and playing truth or dare, you know. Let's what? have fun. Let's drink. Jules is going to get sexy. She gets dared to make out with the wolf head that Marty, for some reason, thinks is a moose.
0: But yeah, let's get sexy. Let's you know, let's have her make
1: out with the moose. Mhm. <laughs> but it's also Marty who sees the differences in Kurt and Jules at this point. You know, where he's acting more like a jock. He's wearing his jacket, his Letterman's jacket. You know, and acting more of like a jock who just wants to get drunk and, and fuck. And Jules is acting more sexy. So he starts to see these subtle differences in who they are. And it's not who they are. You know, they're not like this normally. You know, Kurt's, uh, you know, he's an intelligent person. You know, he takes classes. He's on, and he does important majors.
2: Yeah, and he's on a full academic scholarship. He's on a sports scholarship. You know, right? while on while on the flip side, he's calling Holden an egghead even though he's the one who's, you know, on an academic scholarship and was even um, giving tips to um, Dana about which books to be reading because right. other books you don't even need to read because the professor covers the entire book in the course. Don't even worry about reading these books.
1: Right, and when you see Holden in the scene, he's wearing glasses for some reason. So it's like he's taking on that egghead type of personality, you know, with those glasses. But, of course... We're going to take Kurt and Jules and go out into the woods. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That, that's going to become later. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead of myself. It's the cellar that they have to get to um, first, where well, all the stuff is down in the cellar. So you have different items in the cellar, like you have a shell, you have a weird uh, sphere that's kind of like the lament configuration, uh, a box with a dancer in it, and then you have a book that's almost like a Necronomicon, where it's all in Latin and you have to read it. So Marty's telling oh. me. Dana not to read it, you know, because nothing ever comes good out of reading Latin from a
2: book.
0: No, you don't you read never
2: it. read aloud from a book in a cabin in the woods. Just, you just nope. don't fucking do it.
1: <laughs> and so, of course, you know, she finds the diary of one of the Bruckner's uh, patients and reads from that as well. I'm talking about the husband's bulge whenever he sees blood. And um, <laughs> it's at this point where they, they you have all these characters getting together about to touch all these things, and that's when Dana touches the book and reads from it, and then you cut back to the lab, and they're all like, yup, yeah, who got the zombie torture family? Yeah, you won the bet. Yeah. But you have to really pause <laughs> oh, that sequence just to it see everything that's it. on the yeah. erase board. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: The amount of things that are on this erase board is fucking fantastic. Like, all the different things. And there's even one that just says Kevin. That's all it says. Just Kevin. What the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Wanna find out what that is. Well you know,
2: but it's well, the Kev- Bruckner family. Kevin was supposed to be, um, pretty much a character like the mild mannered, um, cannibalistic character from Sin City. Oh, okay. All right. So that makes sense. So that was what um, Kevin was
0: supposed to be.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so the, the Bruckner torture family is the winning and I love the one the one worker that comes up there and she's like, well, I had zombies. And he's like, well, yes, you did. But no, this is the zombie Bruckner torture family. That's the same thing. Just like an elephant, it's not the same thing as an elephant to you.
0: completely
1: different things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Well, I like the, the, the dean has been saying about, like, the background stuff with this lab and all the people that are kind of puppet masters, this is what I really did enjoy is the fact that when Kurt and Jules leave into the woods to go have sex, they start pumping, uh, you know, just pheromones, gas into the air. They get them really into the fucking mood. So it's like Jules well, it's is not- like, I don't want to fuck. This is weird. This is gross. It's the woods. And he's like, no, don't worry, baby. Don't worry.
2: Yeah, but then they're also so they're doing things like controlling the moonlight as well you know, you know, things like that, you know, They they
3: do a switch.
2: Temperature yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was the other thing too, is they raised the temperature in the area, um so it was more comfortable. And then they could, were controlling the moonlight and they actually highlighted an area to make out on the ground
0: for
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that perfect spot. So they could lay down and have sex and that's when Jules finally agrees and once you get to see the tits you see everybody in the lab staring at her. Just checking out those boobs. Yeah. Everybody is gathered. There's one particular moment. He's like, all right, all right, everybody break it up. <laughs> We've seen enough. Go back and do your jobs.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but as they start to get it on, this is when we get introduced to one of the Bruckner family who immediately attacks Kurt and then also Jules. And they have a little a bit of a knocked-out, drag-out fight before Jules is dragged away by the family to be... Ultimately decapitated. You don't get to see it unfortunately, because it's PG-13, but we do get a good decapitated head following the sequence.
0: Well, we don't get to see it, but you you, you still get the
2: sprawl though. It's like because he, he's looking at her and they rip the chain, they rip the saw across her neck, man, and you see just a giant splatter of blood. So you're still getting a lot of that.
3: Yeah,
1: but they just they cut away, so you don't actually get to see the head pop off. But you get to see
3: sure. it later when one of the Bruckner's throws it at Dana
1: in the cabin. When all and hell she breaks. She
3: catches her. it, and there's, yeah, and there's splatter, and when she takes the head and then throws it to the ground, uh, there's one of those great moments when like the splatter goes onto the camera very briefly and everything. Um, now, a question I did want to ask in that sequence before she gets decapitated, when all this you know, redneck zombie family members are coming out of the woodwork, I found uh, these scenes and maybe you guys agree or disagree based on where you were watching i found it like just the filmmaking here to be uh to be very dark where i had like kind of almost a hard yeah. time actually seeing yep. what was going on
1: no yeah, i had the same problem and i watched it on my blu ray and it's still very dark they filmed it very dark yeah, they, not a lot of light
0: yeah
2: yeah same here i watched the 1080 copy and yeah same thing they just filmed those bits really really dark but at the same time i think they filmed it really really dark so when they did that slow shot of the soul right in front of her eyes and you know her face was really really bright versus the really really dark soul you know that you know that was probably the point of it was when stuff happened it uh, popped off the screen more
1: hmm. yeah i mean like i said it was it was fine i wasn't too bothered by how dark it was i mean i've seen darker uh, films, you know, where it's just like, what the fuck oh, yeah. is happening? I can't see anything. Um, yeah. But you get this moment when you have the Bruckners entering the cabin and Kurt has obviously escaped to the cabin as well. After they push out the Bruckner, it's, let's stay together. Everybody, let's just stay together and we'll figure this out. And that's not what the engineers want. So as soon as they can grab some smoke and blow it into Kurt's face, uh, yeah, well, everybody can break up. Everybody, let's just split up. I think <laughs> we're better if we still split up and go to our rooms.
2: Well, it wasn't go to their rooms. It was to go around and to fortify the place. So they are going straight straight up, excuse me, Night of the Living Dead here of, you know, fortify the windows, do what you can, you know, keep the zombies out, let's split up so that everyone can reinforce their windows. And then when they go to their separate rooms, you know, that's when, again, the puppet masters lock them in their rooms.
1: That's right, yeah. So, and this is also the sequence where uh, Marty breaks the lamp, and he finds that there's a camera inside. What the fuck is this? Like, you know, what What the if, fuck is happening? But, the, again, the engineers are on top of it. The puppet masters are on top of it, because they're going to have uh, Judah take care of it. <laughs> Just take him out, because he knows too much as it is. So have What's Judah come in. It's a reality take care show. <laughs> My parents.
0: <didn't laughs> yeah, I know. It's reality show, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, getting dragged out into the woods by Judah and ultimately being killed. And what's also interesting is that when each of them dies, you have uh, Hadley going over to a cabinet and lowering a lever, and that drops blood into these uh, weird kind of carvings Mm -hmm. that we get to see towards the end of the film really what they are. But for what we see, it's just the blood filling up into Mm -hmm. these weird uh, carvings as each of them dies. So it's fulfilling the the rituals they have set in place. And meanwhile, in Tokyo, the girls in Tokyo being terrorized by a fucking Samara from the ring which I did love. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that that's another thing that like, you know we could talk about super quick is, you know, that we find out that this is not the only location that this is happening in the world because there's one going on in Stockholm, there's one going on in um, uh, Buenos Aires BD. and you know <laughs> Chile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, the, there's other places around the world that are all doing this at the same time. And it's also funny to see that in these different locations, they are showing horror for their location. So, like you said, you know, in Japan, they're showing, you know, u- usual J-Horror. You know, over in Buenos Aires, you know, they're showing uh, King Kong. Over in Stockholm, you know, it's, it's supposed to be that they're sh- showing Dracula. But. You know, all over the world, you have all these different locations all trying to do something <laughs> of a horror type scenario,
1: but they're all failing. Like they are not; yeah. they are being defeated, and they're all failing. And that's why I love that sequence in Japan, where you have the samara type being sucked down into this circle of girls that are all chanting and singing, and she gets turned into a frog. And the one girl is like, "Oh, her soul's in a frog now; she can't hurt us anymore."
0: <laughs> and oh my god! it's
1: Jesus. like, well, fucking hey, shit. He's like, now it's up to us, the Americans.
2: <laughs> they always always by Americans. But I fucking loved it, though, because seriously, man, like they did a great job of making fun of Jay horror You know, um, okay, let's just get in a circle and chant and sing and think happy thoughts and things will work together. See, here she is in a happy little frog. Her soul is free now. It's like, okay, you fucking nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and from there you have Kurt, Holden, and Dana escaping from the cabin into the RV and leaving uh, far behind because they know that Marty is somewhere. They can't find him. They assume that he's dead, so they take off. But the tunnel hasn't been blown out yet. For some reason, that's a tech error, and the tunnel has been blown. So you have to have, you know, Citizen running down and trying to find every wire that he can to make this fucking tunnel implode while they speed towards <laughs> it.
2: Yeah, and like, like a bad Star Wars movie, you know, you've got all this high-tech shit, but what does what it boil down to? You know, ripping shit apart and just hot wiring the motherfucker.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, yeah, for a second, I mean, if this is your first time watching it, you might think that they're going to make it out of there. But, nope. <laughs> he manages to make those wires connect at the right moment so it collapses just as they get to the end. And now they have to get the fuck out of that tunnel as
2: it collapses. <laughs> Yeah, hells of fucking <laughs> driving backwards in an R V, you know, like a motherfucker escaping a not an easy tunnel, thing to but do. Hey. No.
0: <laughs> now no, it's
3: right after that, was doing it. Yeah. Can you just fill me in? 'Cause I'm I think I and I didn't rewind it to find out and I had I either went to get like a drink of water or something and, and looked away for a moment. Where did the motorcycle come from? Where 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 did they get it from? If it on the back, back. of the R V. Ah, okay, got it.
1: Yeah, it was already there because Kurt has it. That's his. So he brought it along, I guess, because he was going to dr- ride in some of the trails with it. Um, so that's why it was there. Because that's what we get on our next moment with.
0: <laughs> because
1: they can't get to the other side. They, there's no way that they're going to get there. So they're kind of fucked. And Kurt's like, no way, man. I got the RV. I can make that jump. Not that hard. I've done bigger stunts than that.
2: Oh, shit. Super Dave, all right. <laughs> all right. Like I'm looking at that ravine. I'm I'm looking at that bike, and I'm like, and then I see how far away he's gone. It's like, no, you don't have enough space. You don't have enough ramp, and you you think you can fucking clear that? Okay, <laughs> show me what you show me what you got, Thor.
1: <laughs> Honestly, if that force field wasn't there, I think he could have made it because he had fucking no. height. On that jump.
2: No, 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 He was pretty no, fucking high up. No, He had no ramp. Any, I, I'm just saying, I've watched plenty of motorcycle stunts, okay? You need way more shit than what he had, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right. But either way.
0: It I mean, he's happen. not
1: making it anyway.
0: <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Because as soon as he <laughs> makes that jump high in the air, he crashes against the force field and then just comes tumbling down. And I loved it because they held on that shot of the motorcycle just tumbling and tumbling and tumbling down. Just hitting the side of that force field all the way down. It was yeah. great.
2: And, then and just him, too. Just punk, 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 punk. <laughs> and it <and just> kept <laughs> yeah. going and going and going. Like,
1: <laughs> and that's when Holden and Dana realized that their experience this entire time has been staged. Right? That force field is enough to convince them Like we're fucked. You know, we're obviously in some kind of a simulation of some sort, but fuck it. Let's get back in the RV and drive back to the cabin. We'll drive back to the woods if we right. have to. We'll figure out a way out.
2: Yeah, but Seems that's simple when Dana enough. starts to realize that – yeah, well, that's when Dana starts to realize Marty was right. You know, it's got to be fucking puppet masters of some kind, man. You know, but, you know, <laughs> they go. <laughs> they're they're taking off, and the Holden gets <laughs> – yeah, kind of. Oh, deck. yeah, right through the fucking head.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And the RB crashes into the water with the, one of the Bruckners trying to grab Ad Dana as she escapes and lands onto the dock, you know, which might even be in Crystal Lake, who knows. But, you know, seeing her kind of flop onto the deck and just take that breath and just be like, what the fuck, where am I? Everybody's fucking dead, I'm alone. And then you cut to the huge celebration in the lab. Party time! Tequila is my lady!
2: <laughs> time to cue the REO speed wagon. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everybody's sucking down beers, congratulating each other. And you have the, the guard saying, well, she's still alive. Like, what? Like, aren't they all supposed to die? Well, no, the Virgin, that's that's optional. So it doesn't really matter. And in the it's background, like they... you see her being attacked by the brother,
0: Yeah. <laughs> just being swung around yeah. like a
1: rag
2: doll. Yeah, because they say she doesn't have to die. She, she, uh, she she just has to be uh, tortured a lot. So That's you know, right. R.U.S. Wagon playing happy as fuck. Everyone's in there, got their martinis and shit like that. People are trying to hook up like it's fucking New Year's Eve, you know, in an office party or something like that. And Hey, I'm the an intern.
1: I'm the intern, guy.
2: <laughs> and in the background, she's, like, getting straight up right at her team's treatment, like you said. Oh, just getting thrown all over the fucking dock two speed Viking playing in the background.
1: Oh, yeah, there's blood. The Bruckner pukes up a bunch of blood at one point when he's attacking her. So it's like, yeah, they're not even paying attention to it because it doesn't really matter until we get a phone call from the red phone.
0: Like, uh, oh, shit.
1: Yes. <laughs> Cut the music. <laughs> you know, let's, uh, let's see what they have to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when Hadley and, answers yeah. it, you find out from the director that uh, Marty survived. You didn't die, so now you have two. So yeah, we're Are not sure? we should be celebrating just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Seems dead. <laughs> but no, because we cut back to the dock and Marty comes in and saves her by hitting the Bruckner with his bomb and knocking him into the water and making oh, their escape. Because Marty, bomb ever, yeah, it's awesome, you know, and it's a good weapon because it gets them time to escape to where Marty has found this entryway into an underground lab and that's where we're going to go you know now because we got to get the fuck out of here you know everything's been set up this is all a trap you know now we got to make our escape
2: yeah and it gets to this funky ass bunker (sighs) it worked its way through you know and apparently that's why the demolitions for the cave didn't work is because Marty had been there ripping out wires and totally fucked up their shit so he was just in there just ripping shit out trying to fuck up shit and it turns out that that was what fucked up the tunnel. But then he f- finds a passageway and leads to an elevator. And they think it goes down, so they say fuck it, let's mm-hmm. so go in this thing and see what happens. So they
1: my get- favorite part of the movie, you know, yeah. is going into this elevator and it shifts around and you get to see all the different horror movie monsters. You know, you get to see the ballerina with the, the fucked up face and you get to see the werewolves, so then you get to see the Hellraiser rip off, where he's got blades in his face that he's carrying around the You suit. saw the
3: Shining Twins back there.
0: Yeah. it's like
1: Oh, yeah, there was a gigantic spider, there was a clown, there was a unicorn, there was, like, all these different, like, mythical beasts and creatures and monsters, yeah. and you have oh, Dana but, just bashing this window over and over again, like, holy shit.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, in, in this moment that I took as a tr- uh, quick nod to the movie Cube, all right, uh, this,
1: this yeah, scene. Yeah, I'll say that. Uh,
2: um, you, also, one of the little Easter eggs that's in there is one of the s- sets of monsters that are in one of those cubes or the Reavers um, from Joss Whedon's Firefly series.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't notice that, the Reavers. I was just too busy trying to figure out everything that was in those. <laughs> oh, yeah, think. yeah.
2: I was. Oh, shit, and There's dude, so I much. And, and, yeah, yeah, you know, if you could think of a horror... First, you know, creature. It was in there. You know, fucking exorcist. You had um, centipedes. You had you know, giant spiders. You had uh, actual alien, like alien thing from Alien. Uh, you know, yeah, it was all fucking there, man. Also, what was tied in there was there was four cages with four monsters that were um also from the Left for Dead video game series. And it was mm, planned okay. that this, and it was planned originally before MGM went bankrupt, which was all during the making of this movie, that this movie was actually going to tie into one of the Left 4 Dead games. There's going to be a DLC cool. where you could, uh, where you could sit there and get some of the monsters from this movie into Left 4 Dead.
1: Oh, that would have been definitely cool. Nah, it's unfortunate because I like the Left 4 Dead series. They're a fun set of games, but. Um, once they get out and they're in the hallway where all the elevators are, they find the main control room, and that's when Dana gets the idea just to fucking let them all out. And let all the monsters out.
2: Right, but before that, we have this this, um, moment that's like the video game Portal where they're in an all-white hallway and then you just have this voice over the speaker going, you know you shouldn't be here. (laughs) You know you're supposed to be dead. You know, which is just, again, a straight not the port portal. Uh, you know, and again, I was like, is that who I think it is? You know, but we're going to get to that later. But I think, I, you know, just hearing the voice, I was like, holy shit, they get her to do the voice? You know, but yeah, like you said, you know, Dana's like, fuck it. <laughs> Let's get the party started.
1: Oh, and does it ever get started? Once he's over, the doors open up and all these soldiers come running out and they're doing battle. You have the gigantic fucking cobra just killing people. You have an evil clown with a knife who can't die and just keeps laughing over and over again as it stabs people. You know,
0: it's it's
3: just a a hit list. So much stuff uh, going uh, on in that sequence. And, Uh like, the the kind of manic pace and nonstop action uh, was great. And certainly, like, a super fun... Uh, you know, ride through all of these different stereotypical horror creatures and monsters and whatnot. Uh, my issue here was just I thought that all of the CGI blood just looked fucking terrible. Um,
0: yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I
3: have that problem with CGI blood all of the time. Uh, but I feel mm-hmm. like there was just so much of it that it just the more they kept adding in, like the worse it looked to me. But I thought this whole sequence was was super fun. You know, it's just seeing
1: the unicorn run down the hallway and just spear one of the guys to the <laughs> chest. It's like a fucking unicorn is evil, <laughs> you know. All of these yeah, fucking things but, are happening. And
2: and you even you know, had, ahead, had a rapey tree from you even had a rapey tree from Evil Dead in there. You had some yes. deadites yep. in there from Evil Dead. Um but like but on the side note though what the um Dean was saying was they, they were actually using about 50-50, though. They're using about uh, they were actually using a lot of practical blood along with the CGI blood. They were actually using a ton of practical blood in a lot of those shots.
1: I can see what he's talking about though, because there was a couple times where I did spot a lot of CGI blood for some of those issues. Oh, yeah, and it yeah, does take yeah. you out a little bit. But the actual practical blood in some of those sequences is great. Um, like, when the, when the soldier that's protecting Citizen and Hadley ends up getting grabbed, you know, by the, all the zombies, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more. You know, I really wanted to see a little bit more gore than what we got. I mean, I really wanted to see him be dissected. But you just get a little bit of intestine coming out, and you get him being attacked, and that's it. We've got to cut away. Because we're finally getting Hadley's wish of seeing a merman. That's all he's wanted to see <laughs> this entire time is the fucking merman,
0: <laughs>
1: and it's the merman that ultimately causes him to die. I just love that. You gotta be kidding me! Oh come on, man!
2: <laughs> and then when the merman sits there and cl- clamps down on him, and and when he clamps down on him, you see all this blood spew out of the blowhole on the top. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's great. And um
2: and The the other thing is, I was really impressed with how almost all the monsters were practical. Um, Yeah. Like, I was really surprised to hear how many of the monsters were actually practical. Um, Some of them were practical with CGI over top of them, but like, almost, like, seriously, almost all of it was practical. I was really, really fucking impressed that uh, Joss Whedon was really pushing that they went practical.
1: Yeah, and it, it shows in some of the sequences where you could tell that it's a practical versus a CGI. I mean, I love the hallway after all the devastation, I and mean, then you just have the one arm falling oh. to the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and just a couple of zombies. <laughs> don't in, uh, ever so Yeah. <laughs> and you
1: see that Patience Bruckner, you know, managed to get into the open ele- after everything has happened. You know, she just pops up from the elevator and starts making her way through the halls. Well, she's and not going to miss who the she money, can, You know. <laughs> no, she's got to see who she can access um, But as all this happens, you have Dana and Marty running down into the basement of this lab, which has all these etchings into the walls that are all filled with blood. And it's the, the five designations of who they are. You know, the fool, the whore, the athlete, the brain, the, you know, and then the virgin. So it's like yep. all the representations of who they are. And we get this explanation from none other than Sigourney Weaver, the director. Yes!
2: <laughs>
1: Ripley
0: is fucking like the that. director.
2: Yeah, I like I literally screamed like a little girl when she showed up 'cause Because when I thought I, <laughs> that was her over the you know, intercom I was like, Oh wow, they got her to do the voice and then when she actually showed up, I was like,
0: Oh shit. Yay <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, it was definitely
2: then a then great Weaver, yeah. Yeah, and then she's there for the information dump about why all of this is happening.
1: And in it, 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 this point, it kind of, for me anyway, it takes an H.P. Lovecraft kind of turn, where you're talking Absolutely. about the ancient ones and how they're the real gods. Yeah. And to appease them, you have to have rituals and you have to have sacrifices. So with these people being killed, it's kind of like, you know, just in for a penny, in for a pound, where it's like, you know, we're sacrificing one person, to save millions Yeah. so you know five people is nothing compared to the millions that could be saved across the world and of course all these have failed including the Americans now but it's the director that keeps urging Dana to kill Marty Marty's the virgin but he's also the fool because obviously Dana's had sex before so just kill him and you're going to save the world you know it's kind of an easy thing like yeah I know you're going to miss him at the same time just take them out because you do not want these ancient ones to take over the world. Good.
2: And it's weird because we we don't have this moment of long hesitation or anything like that. You know, if he's my friend, blah blah blah, I can't do that. She you know, because he's talking to the director, going, you know, what are you talking about? And in the background, she's instantly raising the gun. She's not even pausing. You know, she no. there is no internal struggle. Struggle there you know, because she immediately understands that, yeah, if they do the sacrifice right, they can save the entire world.
0: And, of course, you know, Marty's
2: shocked she, at she's this the director. Says, yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: and Marty is shocked. Like, what the fuck? You'd actually kill me? Like, you'd actually take me out? And mm-hmm. like, Well, it's for the good of the world. But luckily there's one werewolf left to attack Dana and take her out for a minute or two and she's being attacked. And that's what leads to the fight between Marty and the director where he's just, you know, I'll pick you out, too, bitch. (laughs) You know, I don't care.
2: And it's awesome to see Sigourney Weaver getting in a fucking fist fight. You know, because, again, she's going to spray chicken, but damn. You know, she can still fucking deliver her shit, man.
1: (laughs) I don't know if that was actually her or if it was a stuntwoman, but damn. It was great to see her getting in a knockdown dragon fight and beat the shit out of Marty.
2: Yeah. And while this is all going on, a werewolf is coming up. And that werewolf is the only is like one of the main reasons Sigourney Weaver decided to do this movie, is because she's never she said she' never done a movie with a werewolf, which is why she wanted to do it. That's, That's a funny
3: cool. reason for that. taking a film. Tony like <laughs> Weaver, who like you know has been in some, like some <laughs> of the most legendary you know arguably the you know the most legendary genre fair, uh, but her her career uh, as a whole. Um, you know, she's been in all kinds of films. She's not just like a genre actress, Um, you know, like she's done drama and she's done comedy and, you know, she's been in all kinds. So for her to be in this because she's never been in a film with a werewolf, like that's quite a funny little uh, tidbit there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So when she she showed
2: up on set, you know, and they're there and they're in the room and stuff like that, you know, she was immediately looking at Wheaton and stuff like, oh, where's my werewolf? Where's my werewolf? Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and she doesn't even get killed by it, which is a funny thing. It would have been great if she had gotten killed by the werewolf, but no, doesn't even get killed by it. <laughs> she just wanted to make a movie with about...
3: one.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but, but yeah, they're struggling around. She gets taken up by, you know, little zombie chick. You know, stoner guy proceeds to throw her over overboard, you know, into the abyss of the old ones. <laughs>
1: Yep, the, the zombie and the director. Which to me I don't know if that would be enough to keep them from coming up. I guess it's not because that's on a trope. Like the director wasn't any of the five, and either was the zombie, but you think it would be enough.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: no to, to no, satiate got, them enough. Got, you, you, it's,
2: it's no, you gotta you gotta fulfill the contract, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, and as all because this is uh, because, the buildings crumbling. Because
2: she was not now. the same. Like Neither was the zombie.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: uh, but, yeah like it's like oh maybe that's enough but it's not because you yeah, have the building starting to crumble Dana moves next to Marty they're both you know just defeated they know what's coming the end of the world so I'm going to just spark up a J and just kind of <laughs> let it happen you know humanity can yeah, rebuild like Dana says you know it's,
2: yeah, let the new yeah, people she, take
1: over
0: yeah she
2: said humanity had their shot let the next one come up you know they you know spark it up, and then they're like, you know, but what would have been really cool is if we had actually had a chance to watch it happen. And then Marty's you yeah. know, like, that, that would have been an awesome weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You see he manages destruction, you know, have, you know, courtside seats. Um, and then as they, they spark up their J and they smoke, they hold hands as the building starts to fall, but then you have a pounding coming from beneath the floor into a gigantic CGI hand. That reaches up, destroys the cabin, and swipes down at the screen before credits roll. I was okay with it, you know. I mean, it's it's, it's obviously CGI. You have to do it that way, but it's like, ah, eh, all right. So you know, it's it's over. You know, they're completely destroyed. Humanity's gone.
0: Yes.
2: All she had to do was kill. Yeah, and that and that was supposed to be of Greek mythology. That was supposed to be Kronos, You know, who comes along mm. and wipes the earth clean? That's who that was supposed
0: to be.
1: Oh, okay, yes, yeah, so I, so, I didn't know that. but still, it was a, a cool effect, but at the same time, she could have just killed Marty. She had a chance. She could have pulled that trigger real quick.
2: She, yeah, but, she but did. at the same time, she, no, because she said she, did, she was with Marty, and she was like, fuck it, give, give the world a reset, you know, because, like it's been said, humanity is a virus. It is killing the planet, so give the planet a reset, and let's wipe humanity from the planet. I totally get where they're coming from.
1: <laughs> right, but that's what I'm saying though is that she had the gun pointed at him. She was ready to do it, and then she got attacked by the werewolf. So if the werewolf had never come into the scene, I, I think she would have shot him. I think yeah. she would have, you know, just sh- I think she would have killed him if it wasn't for that werewolf and her feeling that like she was right. going to die anyway from the wounds of that werewolf. Like it's just that's enough for her to be on her deathbed. So let's just wrap it up no. and let's none of die.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. And there it is on a whim. Humanity gets wiped out. And it's funny, though, because after they gave the initial viewing, all right, to um, an audience, and they opened it up to the audience about, you know, okay, questions. The first question that got asked was is there going to be a sequel? (laughs) And then (laughs) then the director got And the director looked at the guy and said, did you just not watch the same movie I just watched? (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, I was going to say, it seems pretty final. I can't imagine them being a cabin in the woods, too. Unless everything <laughs> resets. Everything could reset in the new humanities, you know. Cut to a couple of years later, they got to appease the gods once more. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I honestly but, don't know. But.
3: You have to appease the gods once more, but, like, the entire uh, organization that was put together to do what needed to be due to appease the gods has been completely uh, destroyed and uh, everyone is dead and has been eliminated. So uh, the gods, have, you know, of course, have magical godly powers and everything. But how will they? How do they put that all back together all over the world? You don't, yeah, because humanity I mean, that's, is gone.
1: And it's just the old gods once more. So that makes yep. more sense. You know, there's not going to be any rebuild. It's just the old gods taking over. So that makes a little bit more sense. I mean, I, I wouldn't honestly want a sequel. To Cabinet no. I think it's just a great standalone You know it's a great standalone movie You know it does what it has to do It's funny very meta You know it's, it's definitely kind of like a well hate Letter to horror films Like we love these yeah, movies but At the same time look how stupid you are for liking them Because they're so predictable
2: And when you're a horror fan That's what makes it fun watching this movie Is that there's all this extra Stuff in there for you to catch as a horror Fan you know, while other people are trying to figure it out, you know, there's all these inside jokes from, for you that are our fans to be like, okay, yeah, you,
3: we know you're going to get this, this, and this, and this. <laughs> yeah, maybe if it was <laughs> a little brighter, we could have seen it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: there you go.
2: Which is why we had the third act of the brightly lit underground bunker facility, <laughs> where you could see everything.
1: That was a good point. <laughs> yeah, that was a great time. Um, but, yeah, that's Cabin in the Woods. Uh, again, like we had said, it's worth checking out, you know. Um, you know, just if you want to have a good time, especially if you're a horror fan, just picking out all the references because there are a ton of them. Um, but next week, uh, we go back to the ghoul for his film pick, and it looks like it's going to be David Cronenberg's Scanners, which I think has been a long <laughs> time coming on this show. Even though we have not had good luck with Cronenberg on the show before, because every time I bring him up, nobody likes the movie. So hopefully Scanners will land, because we've covered it before, and nobody really likes it. So hopefully Scanners will be yeah, the we one.
3: we covered yeah, but Scanners
1: before? No, no, we we've covered The Brood and Rabid on the show before, and neither the brood, of them. I think the I was the brood, only brood, one that we
3: liked had... it. No, I feel like we had really good discussions surrounding The Brood.
1: Maybe we did have to revisit that episode. For some reason, I, I just didn't think it landed very well. What, what was that one? De- defending. Uh, Rabbit.
3: Which
1: one? Oh, okay, that's 70 right. 70. I
3: think I, 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 yeah, I, and that's the one that the uh, uh, the, w- the Saska sisters did the remake, right? That's
1: right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I missed that episode. And uh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, I but both in. Yeah, in our in our previous incarnation, did we do Videodrome? Not yet. No. Yeah, okay, we didn't do original, like, We didn't do that in the first. We didn't do that in the first talking terror go around.
1: No, yeah, we haven't done it at all. Video was not
3: there. Okay, so we're yeah, no, no we're for, the check-in, perfect. Check-in. I, all right, then we're I my, you know, I think I think that's one of those uh, in the in the the era of uh, the ghoul and I. Uh, just watching horror movies every fucking weekend night together um, for a while. I think that's that's when we when we must have watched it and analyzed it then. But yeah, I'll be looking forward to um, checking out Scanners for for uh, for next week.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good one. I'm a huge fan of Scanners. I think it's one of Cronenberg's uh, best. Um, but all right, so Monkey, since the goal is on here, do you want to hit us with a little plug before we close out?
2: All right. Okay. It. COVID season, yes it is, Um, and what better way to tell your loved one, yeah, but what better way to tell your loved one that you've been locked up with for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all right, things are dragging, things are maybe getting a little bit slow in the bedroom, you know, but you can change that by showing a little bit of affection to your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you know, your dog, we don't really care, we don't judge. But what you do is sit there and take the time and place an order at Bonfire Peace Design, all right, and get some special jewelry, jewelry, here we go, we're going to say it like the ghoul, all right, jewelry, (laughs) custom-made jewelry, (laughs) and show your significant other that you care. And in these times, you can still spark things up, all right? And even though things are the same, they don't have to be mundane. So take the time, change things up a little bit, make their life a little bit better, and just take that little bit of time to give them a little something to go, here, I care about you, I think about you, and I love you. So go to Bonfire Bee Designs at Etsy or E T or however you say it, all one word, go there and put, place an order for some custom-made jewelry. She's got all kinds of supplies going on. They're all over the place. The, the ghoul's stepping all over it. He's tired of it. So place an order so he don't have to step on it like a bunch of evil Legos all over the floor. Because you, you buy something, you get laid, which means the ghoul get la- gets laid, which means we get laid. Wait, wait no. No. Either way, go to one of my place and place, Speak to and yourself, place an man. order. All right.
0: I <laughs> don't <Yeah, no>, really.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know about you. All right, I'm not getting away by anybody right. buying jewelry like that.
3: Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's I, I, that, I have to say, uh, Monkey, that was that was that was quite the plug for Bonfire Bead Designs. Uh, I'm sure uh, you know uh, the the ghoul uh, would be so impressed with your with your with your plugging of of Bonfire Bee Designs. I'm sorry he's not Hopefully here he to hear it, but if he was here to hear it, uh, he wouldn't be hearing it because he would be doing it himself. But oh, oh, uh, that's right. Goes, go back I, listen will, to the... I will. I will. I will. <laughs> Hopefully, I, mean, I don't know if he will or not. Hear me but, the plug <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if he does because I never do. I never listen back. But I will say that uh, I will speak for the ghoul. Uh, I'm confident to do so in some cases, and I say that that he would be very, very pleased with your plug.
2: That was awesome. <laughs> I concur. <Okay>. Uh,
3: all <laughs> right, go
1: ahead, monkey. Sign yourself off.
2: All right. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Thank you for wearing a mask in public, and thank you for letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody.
1: Excellent. All right. And, Dean, looking forward to seeing you back next year, uh, next week for Scanners and more horror news.
3: Yes, it'll be my pleasure. Um, it is in my, as I think about my schedule for the next two weeks. Uh, I am definitely should be looking good. I'll be looking forward to Scanners, and then I have a... Uh, a a slime, slimy, uh, delightful choice for my for my next pick. So we'll talk oh, about boy. That I can't
1: wait to hear that.
3: Slimy choice.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. So, everybody out there, watch horror movies. Get America strong. Hail Satan. Hail odors. Hail yourselves. We'll see you back next week for Scanners, which is the ghoul's choice. And as we close out real quick, I just wanted to say to a lot of people who know me and know the ghoul, uh, there was a person in the horror community that we lost the other day, Elsie uh just uh, passed away through a long fight with the disease that uh, yeah. thought she had more time, but she didn't. Uh, and she was very important to us uh, when ghoul and I were going to cons and the festivals. She was always treating us like family, always treated us like we were her best friends whenever we saw her. So it was a tough loss, but you know what? The journey on the other side, hopefully, will be a lot better than this one. So we're going to miss you, Elsie. We'll see you on the other side.